0: Hey everyone and welcome to the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode we are going to be deviating once again from our normal episode rewatches to take a look at the fourth cover story arc which in the manga completes around this point in the story so which is the reason why I am covering it here. So the cover story we're discussing in this episode is Hachun's Seafloor Stroll. It follows former Arlong Pirate Octopus Officer Hachi as he escapes from the marines and goes on an undersea adventure to start his takoyaki business. So takoyaki, for those who are unaware, is a Japanese dish that is fried chopped up octopus mixed in sort of a a batter, and it's fried into little balls. And I actually mentioned this um, a couple episodes back when Luffy eats the takoyaki balls after they salvage the ship that falls from the sky. And like I mentioned there, I personally love this dish. It's like the perfect street food to grab and just kind of walk around and snack on. And yeah, and normally I actually hate eating octopus in almost any other dish or any other way. But for some reason, I really love takoyaki. So I recommend you at least give it a try. But anyways, getting back to the actual cover story. So this takes place over 40 installments from chapters 182, through 228. And it usually encompasses volumes uh, 20 through 25. But without further ado, let's get into recapping this story. So the cover story starts off with Hachi escaping from a marine ship after he was captured in Arlong Park, having been defeated by the Straw Hats. From there, he tries to make his way back home. And along the way, he runs into a bunch of people and creatures to help them and also make some weird trades for stuff. And so he first runs across this panda shark who has a fishing hook stuck in its mouth, and Hachi helps him out. Now, if you remember, we've actually seen a panda shark in the past, as in the Bharatiya arc, Yosak is basically half-eaten by one, and he comes crashing through the front door in order to retrieve Luffy and Sanji to get them back to Arlong Park. And this meeting with the panda shark sets off a chain of, of trades that, as it gives Hachi a piece of meat in gratitude. And Hachi then comes across a stranded man on a deserted island. And this is a really small deserted island, by the way, so I don't know how this guy's still alive. But he gives him the meat, and as a thank you, the stranded man then gives Hachi a diamond ring. <laughs> now, in the next cover, we see him swim up to this place called Goldfish Empire at the bottom of the sea floor, And we see a goldfish princess who has lost her ring. And it turns out that the ring that Hachi just got from the stranded man was hers. And so he gives that back to her. And in return, she gifts Hachi with a golden trident. (laughs) And at this point, you're just like, what is happening? It's like an elaborate deep sea version of bigger or better. But... So yeah, in the next few installments, we see Hachi come across this sea boar, which is basically like a fish boar hybrid. It's being chased by an even bigger sea monster, which is ironic considering the sea boar is also pretty big and probably a sea monster as well. However, after saving the sea boar, all of a sudden it pukes up a mermaid named Kami and a talking starfish named Papug. And we see Kami thanking Hachi. And for some reason, the seabor has now passed out as a result of being scared or sick from puking up the mermaid. I, I It's not quite clear to me what happened to the seabore. If it just got sick and just passed out. Because it doesn't seem like Hachi did anything to it. It just sort of got sick. We're then introduced to a Marco Fishman Pirates, which is just a group of three thuggish looking fishmen. Well, actually, two of them are kind of thuggish-looking, and one looks really dim-witted. The one on the right just looks really, I don't know, out of it? Like, if you look at him, he's just kind of, like, standing there with this wide-eyed, like, look and just staring straight ahead and doesn't seem to have any thought going on in his head. But it seems like Hachi is old friends with these guys, or at least he knows them in some way. And without hesitation, he trades Kami and Pug for a takoyaki map, which is a map that basically guides him to some sort of a takoyaki recipe. And so now he goes on this journey to find these this Gekiuma takoyaki recipe. Or and Gekiuma it just means super delicious. And it's at this point I have to point out the weird cannibalistic aspect to Hachi and Octopus himself wanting to cook and eat other octopus. And I don't know that this is ever really explained. So for now, we're just going to have to accept the fact that regular octopus and fishman octopus may be different in some way. By the way, is it it octopi? Is that what the plural of octopus is? I'm not sure. In the next panel, we see Hachi's motivation as to why he wants this treasure map and why he wants to make this really good takoyaki. And the motivation is to propose once more to this octopus fishwoman named Oktopako, who seems to have refused the first proposal due to his takoyaki not being up to par with her tastes. So Hachi is hoping that she will accept his proposal with this new recipe. <laughs> but upon arriving at the destination, it turns out the map was a fake and it sends Hachi into a trap and pits him against this huge octopus sea monster, which Hachi promptly beats, actually. And Papag comes back to find Hachi and he's seen frantically crying and worried about Kami and now that Hachi is pissed off at the Marcos pirates for tricking him he asks Papag where the Marcos are and where Kami is. We then see the Marco pirates are on their ship and getting ready to sell Kami which is pretty dark as it implies that she's being sold into some sort of a slavery or at the very least it's some form of human trafficking which is a pretty dark subject matter for one piece however Hachi arrives just in time to punch out the Marcos ship and free Kami however it seems the map wasn't a complete trick as it turns out in the next panel the octopus monster had like a hidden storage thing in its head and so now now they they've got this uh secret sauce recipe as well as some seed money for their new business and then they're going to use the giant octopus as ingredients. And so <laughs> this story is just so strange and wild. I mean, I it's probably the strangest out of the four so far. And I suppose it kind of explains him being comfortable with c- cooking up the octopus as it's about to eat them. So, I mean, maybe he's okay with eating that monster before it eats him. So, yeah, there's that aspect to it. But yeah, with all this treasure taken from the Marcos pirates and all this uh, ingredients from this giant octopus, we now see both Octopako and Hachi, Kami, and Pupug arriving at the same time at this starving catfish village whose residents seem to be really in the dumps as their village has just been crushed by some sort of a sunken ship. And as Kami and Pupug listen to the plight of the villagers, we see Hachi in the background again showing kind of his selfish ways again trying to sneak away and in the next installment he runs off with the treasure to Kami and pappag shock however it turns out hachi has finally learned his lesson and has some positive character growth as he took the treasure and returned with a bunch of supplies and ingredients to finally start his takoyaki shop but he uses it to feed and save the catfish village and with almost everybody in the village saved hachi makes one final batch of takoyaki for aktopaku to propose to her But we see that her intentions are only to get the takoyaki and has no interest in Hachi but pretends to be interested in him to get that takoyaki. And in a classic gold digger situation here we see her true motivations and that she's not a really great person and Hachi probably deserves better. However just before he hands it over to Octopako, the catfish village elder surfaces to get his food and it looks like he basically waited and selflessly let everybody else in his village eat before him, before coming up for his share. And so now, seeing this, Hachin has to decide whether to selflessly give the last food to Octopako and get his proposal, or selflessly give the food to the elder, who was also just as selfless in letting his entire village eat first. And Hachi, who has now basically grown into a good guy, ultimately decides to give the takoyaki to the elder, and then promptly gets beaten up by Octopaco, which is really sad, unfortunately. But let's be real here, though—he didn't want to be with a girl like that. Who, I mean, she doesn't deserve Hachi at this point. One thing that always did, stood out to me in this panel, though, is I love Kami's face here. It's just such an exaggerated shock face. I mean, it's got this like squared out jaw her eyes are like wide open and it's just so exaggerated and it's not something you really expect to see from like a beautiful mermaid character even in one piece you don't really see that often so it's kind of nice to see to see Oda give give even like the the female characters these like really ugly like shock faces however afterwards we see Hachi, Kami, and Pupug reflecting in the sunset with Hachi dreaming about his childhood Dream of running a takoyaki stand with what looks like a young Kurobi and a young Chu. I think it's Chu. Although I don't really, it doesn't really look like Chu, but I'm not sure who else that would be. But it's kind of sad as kids, they dreamed about just, you know, having fun and running a legitimate takoyaki business. And that was a long time ago, as now they've become basically villainous pirates who torture people. However, I want to talk a bit more about this in the spoiler section. But yeah, it looks like Hachi has now, you know, gone back to his sort of roots and become much more of a good guy again. And as a reward, the next day, all the catfish return with a gift of gratitude for saving them. They built Hachi a new Takoyaki stand ship with Hachi, Kami, and Pakpak going off and fulfilling their dream. Of sailing the seas and spreading their delicious takoyaki across the oceans, which is a very happy ending to this cover story. But yeah, overall, this cover story is all right. I think it's kind of funny, but it's mostly just a long string of nonsensical events bear- strung together with a like bare bones through line. And I do like seeing how it evolved Hachi's character and showed his growth from a villain to finding the good in him and helping people. Hachi has always been kind of the outlier of the Arlong Pirates, as he was never outright a sadistic or villainous, you know, character like his fellow crewmates like Chu or Kurobi or even Arlong. He was always presented as a sort of comical and almost childish sort of sensibility, which made him less hateable and ultimately made it so that it was more understandable that he could be redeemed. And I definitely could not see this playing out with Chu or Kurobi, but they somehow managed to pull this off with Hachi. And I always got the sense that Hachi kind of just like, wasn't necessarily like an evil person. He just sort of went along with with his crew and with Arlong and his friends, you know, Kurobi and Chu. Now, like with the last three cover stories, this will play a role later on down the line. And so this is a cover story that you should be familiar with. And also... In kind of regards to Hachi, there is a lot more to this character and sort of this underlying reason why Hachi is, you know, was an evil pirate and became good. And yeah, there's actually quite a bit of nuance and depth to Hachi that will later be fleshed out. And I'll talk a little bit about it in the spoiler section. But yeah, with that, if you enjoyed this, send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Feel free to check out my Instagram or uh, Twitter account at SunnyGoPodcast if you want updates of when I post new episodes as well as see some pictures. And yeah, stay tuned for a very short spoiler section as I want to talk a little bit more about how this, obviously this cover story plays into the future. But yeah. For those that do not want to hear that spoiler stuff, I thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. See ya. So yeah, um, spoiler section. A couple of things I wanted to talk about in this one. Obviously, this cover story plays a role later on down the line with the return of Hachi and Kami in the Sabodi Island arc or Shabondi. I, I don't know what to really call it anymore. I mean, in Japanese, it's Shabondi, but in the English romanization as well as the spelling, it's Sabodi. But regardless, we kind of get to see the foreshadowing of how Kami and mermaids are treated in terms of like slave trading and human trafficking. We already see that she's very sought after and that people want to capture her so that they can sell her. And we see that here right from the get-go. And we see a much more darker version of this later on, obviously in the auction house with Do Flamingo's auction house. And we see her getting captured and almost sold. Obviously right now we don't have context for just how horrific that actually is. I mean, yes, slavery is bad, but when you learn... Who buys these, you know, the slaves? It turns out the celestial dragons or the Tenubito, they buy them, and they're just awful people. I mean, they do horrifying things to their slaves, and so we don't necessarily get the full extent of what what uh, Kami being captured here actually means in this cover story. But the other thing too is, you know, seeing that seeing that sort of like dream section with with Hachi like sort of just reminiscing about his dreams of running a takoyaki stand with Chu and Kurobi it kind of you kind of feel sad like if things had worked out differently they maybe could have been good people and they could have been this like really famous takoyaki stand and it's just sad the the events that they go through in which leads them to becoming villainous pirates as a result of all the cruel you know, racism and and prejudice thrown against fish people, along with sort of the again, the the slave trafficking that also happened to fish people, not just mer 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 people as well. And so, you know, we learn the reason why Arlong exists is because of all the horrifying things that fish people have experienced. And, you know, we'll get into that more when we get to Fishman Island and and the whole story with Jinbei and Fisher Tiger and the Sun Pirates and how Arlong basically becomes jaded and very vengeful against humans and and just the government and whatnot. So, you know, it's kind of sad to see that, yeah, Hachi was actually a pretty, you know, would have been a good person had he just, you know, grew up in different circumstances. And so, yeah, it is interesting to to see this cover story after having seen both Sabodi Island as well as the Fishman Island arc, both those arcs really go a long way to fleshing out not just Hachi but the entire Arlong crew as well as the whole Fish People race. And so, it's really interesting that this cover story, while it seems a little inconsequential, it just shows like what how Hachi comes back, but it it sets up a pretty like big thing in one piece of like this whole idea of racism slavery and elitism that comes up later on and plays a much bigger role in the story and so yeah it is very interesting that it starts off in this very lighthearted and almost nonsensical cover story but yeah that's kind of all I really wanted to talk about at least for now we'll definitely get into these once we get to the Sabotee arc as well as the Fishman Island arc and yeah I just wanted to thank you for listening and I'll see you on the next episode bye